You're listening to the YouTube Marketing Accelerator Podcast, helping businesses and marketers all over the globe dominate the internet's second largest search engine. Here's your host, Matt Johnston. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the YouTube Marketing Accelerator Podcast. I'm Matt Johnston. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have an incredible show here for you. Uh, Very, very excited to dig into how you crush selling info products through YouTube ads. It's, it's, it's an amazing space for info products and these type of funnels. And we've, we've, we've got one of the big dogs here who's going to tell us how he has uh, spent you know mi- millions of dollars selling these products online and found great, great, great success. Um, so we're here with Shash Singh. He runs Lynx Digital Agency. Uh, he also has a course on YouTube ads. Uh, he's, he's worked with big name clients like amazing selling machine, Kino body and more managing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in ad spend on YouTube ads. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get this started. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped. Why don't you just tell us first how you got into YouTube advertising in the first place? So it's actually a funny story. It was by accident. Um, I was doing some SEO consulting for a friend of mine, uh, Greg from Kinobody, and he he wanted to run YouTube ads, and he basically didn't have anybody to do it. So uh, I started running his YouTube ads, and within two weeks, we were we just saw the insane power of YouTube advertising, and within three weeks, I think we were spending five thousand dollars a day profitably with a very very high return. I think like over two x return. Uh, for a fitness info product that he had. And that basically just got me into YouTube. Um, and it basically just showed me the power because, you know, I, I was new to the platform and I just saw that, hey, without having to really uh, become an expert at it, I was already getting great results. I was making a million mistakes, but still getting awesome results. Uh, and after that, I became addicted to the platform. I've worked with a bunch of clients. And now what we do is pretty much uh, YouTube advertising. It's our bread and butter. So uh, that's pretty much how I got started. Pure luck and um, just getting the right opportunity at the right time. And how long ago was that? That was actually, I think, early, like late 2015 to early 2016. So, yeah, that was over three years ago, three and a half years. That's awesome. And and so you were getting really good results right away when you didn't even really know what you were doing on YouTube. How did you how did you get that campaign started? Um, So I did the basics, which was number one, just cut down the losers. So the losing demographics, the losing um, audiences, just pretty much standard optimization stuff. Um, The reality of it is if you have a great funnel that converts, if you just follow your, you know, the core media buying principles, you're going to get great results. Where issues usually happen is if people have really bad funnels or, pe- or funnels that are kind of borderline. And in those borderline cases, it's like, okay, you can squeeze some performance out of it. But in some cases where you have a funnel that's absolutely crushing it, um, you can just basically get that working so much faster. Uh, you know, I, I really hate to say that it's that, but... Um, yeah, on the ad side, you can control a lot of things, um, and those things will help a lot. But nothing's going to make a convert uh, converting f- funnel basically. Uh, nothing's going to make a funnel that's not converting work with ads, no matter how great you are at ads, right? Like you can throw everything at the wall; it's not going to work. On the other hand, if you have a great funnel, literally within a week or two, you can get that profitable uh, with advertising. Yeah, right. You have to sort of choose who you work with very wisely, huh? 
actually, and um, the other thing about that particular instance was the creative was just exceptional. It was just an amazing creative. It was the Bruce Wayne video that uh, Greg created. That creative just absolutely killed it. So um, yeah, funnel and creative are the two biggest parts of you know any ad campaign, right? And the creative side is something uh, as an advertiser, you usually have more control over because you can kind of tell, you can guide your client and you know, give them scripts and so on. And then it's up to them to implement. And the, then the funnel side, obviously that's on the client to always be testing that and just figuring that side out. Right. So so with these info products, uh, can, can you just describe to me what you, and just describe for everybody what you mean by an info product, um, just so that we are clear for the rest of the conversation here. I mean, are we mostly talking about uh, I mean, or is it is sort of a mix of webinar funnels and e-commerce type info products where you would buy it right away? What sort of price point are you talking about? Um, how does that usually work for you? So when I say info products, I'm mostly referring to um, basically courses and also in some cases kind of high ticket coaching programs or even done for you high, very high ticket services. Um, so basically the price points are usually in what we do right now is usually we work with products that are over, over $1,000. So at the low point, they're at 1000 And then at the high point, they're at 20000 We have one client we're running an offer to that uh, they're getting, basically, they have a twenty dollars or $15,000 offer. And you know what's funny enough? Uh, what we've really seen is the higher the price point, the higher the ROI. Like, it's, it's a crazy correlation, but people are too scared to price their product high enough. And we've just seen that, you know, if you have a more expensive product, it usually does better with paid ads and gets you a better return on ad spend, which allows you to scale more. Um, and in fact, we've even seen that basically even the $1,000 price point in many cases is too low and you kind of have to go higher than that to really stand out uh, today and make make a great profit. Because ultimately, you know, if somebody's going to spend $1,000, they're probably going to spend $2,000, right? Like uh, on the other hand, if somebody is going to spend fifty dollars, they're probably not going to spend a thousand dollars, right? Like that. There's a huge jump in that uh, point. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'd love to talk a little bit uh, a little bit later about why about the uh, how you structure your creatives and and funnels differently depending on the depending on the price of the products. Uh, but first of all, as, as far as info products more generally, what what do you think the biggest opportunity is with YouTube advertising? Uh, when it comes to info products, like why do you feel like it's a perfect fit there from a media buying standpoint? Well, it's a perfect fit because people are watching videos on YouTube about your topic. So let's say if you're selling an, a course on investing, right? Let's say you have a thousand dollar course on investing. Uh, where do people go if they want to learn investing? Sure, they might go read a couple blogs, but there's a big chance they're on YouTube watching videos. And when you advertise in front of those videos, you're hitting them right when they're at they're exhibiting their highest intent behavior. They are very, very interested. And these are big audiences. There are a lot of videos about investing and there are thousands and maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people watching those videos. In many niches, there's millions and tens of millions of people watching those videos. Uh, and on Facebook, you know, people are usually scrolling to the newsfeed, so it's not as high intent. It's people, you're kind of catching people while they're distracted and it's not really a big priority. But on the other hand, if you're watching a video on how to, let's say, invest so you will retire by 40, hey, that's a way better fit for a, for a product. And those people actually value that. And at that current, at that moment in time, they, they're actually uh, very much committed to that idea of achieving that. 
Yeah, right. It's like that intent, right? That that intent is so powerful on YouTube. I, I always kind of think of it, it's sort of like the best of uh, Facebook and Google ads sort of put together because you have the intent of Google, but you have the opportunity to sell them on it in the creative like you do with Facebook ads, right? Does mm -hmm. that sort of make sense to you too? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, it's such it's such a great opportunity. Okay, so 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 let's go let's go a little bit into the nitty gritty here. Like, how would you start a funnel like this? Like, let, let's get a little bit granular. So you're so you you're you're you, you've got a new client coming coming on. It's a course, and let's just say it's a whatever nine ninety seven price point or something, um, and. Uh, it's a per you, you've identified it as a perfect fit for YouTube, meaning that there are there's at least fifteen hundred to two thousand like super relevant videos on it on YouTube. Uh, you've done your SEO research. You know that it makes a lot of sense. The funnel is already converting. You know that the funnel works. So how do you begin to tackle this project? That's a really good question. So we actually have an SOP for uh, for that in our business, which is we basically have an order of things we test. So obviously, we're going to start out with multiple creatives. So the first thing we do is unless they already have uh, quality creatives based on our you know judgment, okay, is this creative going to convert on YouTube? Does it have the elements of uh, YouTube ads, such as you know having a clear call to action, having a strong hook, et cetera? So first thing is we take a look at the creative. If they do have a bunch of creatives, then we can immediately start testing those creatives against each other with a bunch of audiences. If they do not have that creative, then what we do is we basically go and script those creatives according to the customer research that we have. So uh, whenever a client comes on, we basically ask them for a bunch of information about their customers, and then we can use that information to basically script video ads for them. So that's the first part of it, right? And obviously, then there's all the technical stuff, such as making sure your tracking's good and so on. And then you, you actually get into the campaign setup. And then with a campaign setup, so the first thing you always want to do is you want to go with the lo easy, low-hanging fruit first. Go with the easy, low-hanging fruit first and then go for the tougher, colder audiences. Uh, what do I mean by low-hanging fruit? Number one is retargeting. Uh, this is a no-brainer, but you start by retargeting your existing audiences. Um, placements are great. So if you find videos of your competitors or if you find specific videos that you think would convert uh, for that particular client, those are great places to start. Keywords are great as well because keywords are basically, it's kind of taking the metadata from a video and the title and so on and using that for actually uh, putting your video in front of these videos. So keywords are great. Um, we also we also do really well with custom intent audiences, um, custom affinity, but we kind of like go down that list as we as we basically we basically test things, right? So we always start with like the hot audiences first. And then we go into the colder audiences. Um, I actually have the have our basically what I call our client launch A to Z open in front of me. Uh, so I'm gonna just double check to make sure if I didn't miss anything on that for you. Give me one quick second. Okay, so basically, um, what we we have an order, and the order is start with retargeting website visitors and YouTube engagers. Uh, if they have spent $50,000 on their account, then we target their email list because Google has a rule that you cannot um, target your email list unless you have $50,000 spent on your Google Ads account and it's in good standing. Does that kind of mm. make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about those creatives at the beginning? Um, mm -hmm. Because it, the, the, the creative is always 
I mean, it's obviously a make or break. So, mm-hmm. so at the beginning of a campaign, when you're using, I mean, very often when when we in our in our agency Guide Social are looking at um, are looking at creatives, we often approach clients and we're at the beginning and we're sort of like, listen, we have a very specific way that we do things that we know converts. But but you're saying that you will test clients' existing video creatives that might have been used in other places, like they might have been Facebook videos for Facebook advertising before. They may have been like there might have been an internal media buying team who was just messing around with YouTube ads, or maybe it's TV commercials. Even how do you treat that existing video content when you, when you're sort of appropriating it over to YouTube ads? Yeah, so we actually have this uh, basically a check kind of thing. So we we um, take a look at nine different points um, that qualify the video. So it's like, okay, does it have a hook? Does the video call out a very specific audience and speak to their frustrations? Is the video formatted properly? Because if it's a video that's like a square format and they don't have the widescreen format, that's going to really mm-hmm. hurt. Uh, is the video yeah. quality reasonably good? So it's not, you know, a photo shot. I mean, it's not a video shot on a potato phone, you know, just really, really bad. Um, pixelated and blurry right um is the audio good uh is the video something that basically has a clear call to action that tells them what to do on the next step uh does the video have some sort of social proof which could be spliced in testimonials it could be case studies it could even be the person in the video being in front of a big audience which is what billy jean does he puts you know he always has him in front of a big audience in a lot of these video ads um and does the right. video accurately describe what the user will get once they click the link and take the action they want to? Uh, there are a couple other key points in there as well, but basically we just uh, go through these uh, various elements that we see are really important for a uh, quality YouTube ad. And if if it hits most of those elements, we will test those ads. We're not necessarily going to be like, okay, this is our ideal. Uh, we will be creating new scripts in the meantime while we're testing these, but we're usually like, okay, this is good enough to get started with. This is good enough to get us data. And there's a good shot at making this work. So uh, quite honestly, most of the time, those creatives are not up to par. Uh, and then we right. just have to tell them to get the get the new creatives done. And then you go ahead and you script it for them. Do you also edit it for them? Or do you ask them to sort of, how much of the creative do you get involved in at that stage? So since we work with mostly uh, info product clients, we they shoot it. Uh, we do some minor editing, so we'll do things like add in a call to actions, add in a little bit of captions, but we basically need the kind of the edited version from them, right? Like if they shoot 50 minutes of like video and there's like half of it's them kind of just moving around and so on, obviously it's going to take a lot of time for us to edit that. So we usually get like the, okay, this is the three minute video ad, and then we just add some visual effects to it. So we're not really uh, as much focused on the video editing, although that's something potential in the future we may consider. It's just not a high priority for us. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally makes sense. We're we're a little more uh, bananas about our stuff, so we always edit the videos, but that's just because we feel like we need creative control over it. But it's also a lot more work internally to do stuff like that. So yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And so, how do you test these creatives? Um, do you sort of you sort of you you roll out that warm slash hot audience? And then you sort of uh, you just you you'll just you'll just put them in their ad groups and just and just go to work on it. What do you need to see in that testing, and how do you how do you implement it? Yeah. So uh, with that, um, basically one of the things we're looking at is CTR, click through rate. Um, 
And that's right. one, one really important metric we've always found uh, when it comes to judging creatives, right? I uh, usually want, you want CTRs to be 1.5 plus. Uh, one is okay. It's not great. Two is great. Two is like awesome. Um, but you want yeah. it somewhere in that range. If it's below one, it's a huge issue, right? Like we'll see creatives that, uh, you know, that are 0.5 and those are just not working. So that's really important because if the click-through uh, rate is high enough, then you're getting the clicks for cheaper. And then obviously we're taking a look at the cost per conversion and then cost per click to look at the landing page conversion rate to make sure we can tell mm. our client, hey, this landing page is working for YouTube or this landing page is not working. So that's really important. And obviously on a high level where cost per lead and cost per conversion is the second thing we optimize for, right? Like we're obviously looking at the creatives uh, in terms of how they're doing in terms of CTR, but then we're looking at cost per conversion because that's also very, very important. And then obviously if it's a high ticket product, you're not going to get sales very quickly because, you know, if it's a thousand dollars or $2,000, you need to spend some money to get that information. So we're usually optimizing based on those two metrics until we kind of figure out like, all right, if we're getting the, like this sort of cost per lead, uh, we usually are getting a profitable cost per purchase as well, right? Because that's going to be a lagging indicator because, you know, you are not going to get that data in the first day or two, it's going to take a while to get enough data to be like, all right, is this campaign profitable? But then we look at their existing benchmarks, right? We take a look at their uh, basically, okay, like before we start the campaign, we sit down with the client, get their numbers. And based on that, we set KPIs for cost per lead. And then as time goes on, uh, we adjust them if they're too high or if they're too low. And then we're always trying to just hit those KPIs. And then we use those rules for optimizing the campaigns, right? Right, right. So, uh, how many creatives do you look to test at the beginning of a campaign? The minimum would be three. If uh, the more, the better. Like if we have seven or eight creatives, that's perfect because then we can just test way more aggressively. Uh, we often see that, you know, once you get into testing seven or eight creatives, that's where you can find one that just absolutely out outperforms the others. Uh, but the minimum is three. Like I, I would not want to start, uh, you know, ad account without at, at least testing like three three videos unless the other unless if it's like two videos but they're like really well done and they've performed for on facebook then we can start with that but we always just try to get few creatives in there at the minimum mm, interesting and so do you do start with placements and keywords right off the bat right from day one while you're doing testing you're testing that as well yeah, so the retargeting, obviously, we're getting that set up because... And retargeting, is, right. Yeah, but then the place uh, placements is like, again, we uh, what we'll usually do with placements is just uh, kind of find the competitors and then scrape the videos from third channel and target those. But a lot of times we'll be um, doing keywords. Keywords are just uh, really great performers for us. And another one that works really well for us is custom intent. Um, uh, this depends on account, but we in many accounts, we see custom intent performing really well. Uh, but basically, those are kind of the key ones. And then once we have those kind of working, then we start testing things like, you know, similar audiences, custom affinity, uh, you know, testing topics and affinity, like just the standard affinity audiences and so on. It's in, uh, it's 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 interesting, and, and just for our listeners who don't know, maybe what a custom intent audience is, uh, it's a group of keywords that that could reflect the intent of the ideal customer avatar that are sort of put together, and Google uh, takes those keywords, analyzes them, and sort of pops out an audience for you. That's a custom intent audience. So, uh, sort of leads me into asking you what your perspective is on keywords. Uh, how do you uh, what or what is your method for finding 
the right keywords to go after and how many do you try to go after? Yeah, so um, how to find the keywords? So there's like a few different ways of finding keywords. Uh, you can just go on youtube.com and uh, basically put in your main seed keyword into the search bar and a bunch of suggestions will show up. Those are great. Um, another really great ta- uh, way to do it, and I got this from Tom Breeze, by the way, which uh, who's a mutual friend, so full credit to him, is he actually looks at the mm-hmm. titles of videos and then uses uh, those titles to come up with more video ideas, right? Um, I mean, more keyword ideas, sorry. So, you know, because if there's a popular title then and you use that as a keyword, you're going to hit those videos. Uh, you can also use keyword research tools. I think keywordtool.io is one we use. Um, you can use something like TubeSift. So there are a bunch of ways of doing that and finding keywords. And then when you do search for keywords, you want to make sure they have enough volume, right? Like you don't want to go for keywords that nobody, that are too long tail that people don't really watch. And we actually... With testing keywords, so what we've seen is uh, we'll usually add, so in a campaign, we'll have one ad group and then we'll have uh, a few different ads and then we'll basically add a bunch of keywords into that uh, into that ad group, right? And that in that ad group, what will happen is some of those keywords are going to really start taking off and some won't deliver. Uh, the ones that do take off the best performing one, we try to turn that into its own campaign to just isolate it and give it the budget, you know, full budget. And then for the mm. ones that aren't delivering at all, we'll usually create a new campaign, put those ones in there just so they get some breathing room because, you know, Google doesn't do a best job, the best job of uh, giving, you know, keywords, equal delivery and so you kind of have to take some of them and put them in a different campaign to give them the breathing room to actually spend and get data on it uh we usually find that maybe like the top three to five keywords in a campaign will spend well otherwise you kind of have to take the rest out so we kind of take the you know ones that don't deliver out and put them in a separate campaigns and we take usually the best one out as well and try uh setting that up as a campaign as well that's something we've done and it's worked quite well Right, and that's a that's that's a good tactic for scaling as well, right? Is is putting that keyword in its own campaign? Exactly. It's a uh, it's it's really really great way to get more volume in. And so then, is that how you? Because this is how I often think about it: is that you get that keyword data first before you go to try custom intent. Is that how you look at custom intent, or do you try experimenting with that sooner? I, yeah, I usually go with keywords first and then custom intent after that. Um, and then, yeah, basically with some of my media bars, they sometimes have accounts where a custom intent does better than keywords. So they focus mostly on custom intent. But usually I've found in my experience, 80% of the time you start with the keywords and then expand out to custom intent based on the data you're getting. And, you know, custom intent is kind of like, you know, you're basically um, putting all these keywords in that uh, Google then takes a look at their kind of data, right? Like what are people searching for in google.com as opposed to YouTube? And then it correlates those people and then you target them on YouTube. That's kind of how custom intent works. So you, you know, the more data you have beforehand, so you have more accurate kind of information, the better it is. Right. And, and with placements and just if anybody wants to by by placements, we're talking about individual YouTube videos. And a lot of people really get excited about placements when they find out about YouTube ads and that they have place. They're saying they say, oh, my gosh, I can put my ad in front of any video I want. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the the awesome thing about placements is that the relevance can be insanely high. Uh, and you probably see this as well, but also there's a bit of like a ceiling on placements I've found. Have you found that as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you really want to do, I mean, the thing is we do use placements quite a bit. 
Um, but it's funny because when we are right, yeah, we do too for sure. When we're running campaigns and we target based on keywords, it's pretty much the same as the placements. Like it, it, but it just gives it more scale because then you're including things that you wouldn't have included in placement. So at a certain point, especially if you're running uh, CPA campaigns, Google gets really good at figuring out where your what your what your ideal audience watches. And it's it's really funny because we we look at it, we'll be like, oh man, this this one channel is just bringing in a 13x return on ad spend and all the keyword campaigns pretty much every campaign we're running is uh that ca- that placement is just showing up uh in that so yeah placements are awesome and you know a powerful way to use placements is you could create custom creative for a uh, different channel so you could say something like hey i know you're about to watch this video from gary v but i just wanted to uh tell you about this so you can use that um that's more of an advanced play and you really need the uh, client and yourself to have the bandwidth to do that. Um, but that's a, that's a really smart idea. How many placements are you usually toying with at the beginning? Cause I usually go for a lot. I mean, I try to find thousands if I can that are relevant and I test them all against each other. Do you go for a little smaller? I, uh, we usually go for channels. So we'll just target a whole channel. Right. And then obviously optimize from there. Like, you know, get rid of the low performing videos on that channel. So uh, that's kind of how we do it. So, and, and I would assume that you're always starting these campaigns as CPV campaigns, right? Yeah, we start with CPV and then switch over to CPA. Um, and then we, we usually like always keep some CPV campaigns running and just see how they do. Um, and if we're trying something new, like if we're trying a new audience, we're not sure if it's going to spend, uh, maybe if it's like a more niche audience or it's like a specific kind of, uh, very specific kind of thing, then we might start out with CPV until it starts spending and then switch over to CPA. Uh, this really depends on account by account thing. I've always uh, seen that the more data account has, the better it does. The accounts we have with like millions of dollars and spend with them, CPA campaigns just absolutely crush it. Uh, while, you know, it's all about training the algo. While new accounts, it takes, you know, a little, little bit of easing. Like you kind of need to go with more CPV, uh, which is cost per view where, you know, it, it basically needs some time to start running. And then CPA is the, you know, you're optimizing for the conversion that whatever conversion you've chosen. And for the CPA campaigns, it usually takes a bit more time on newer ad accounts. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. A, a lot of people ask me uh, because obviously both of us have run Facebook ads in the past, and it's still do to some extent. And we know and we know how it works. And so, and, and a lot of listeners of the podcast obviously have run some Facebook ads before. It's the most popular platform, of course. And uh, so, so they ask me how it's different, and and I often say, well, it's completely different. But also, the the, the biggest thing is it, there, there's no set it and forget it at all, really, with YouTube. I mean, at, at the beginning, you are flicking a bunch of switches and turning a bunch of dials and being very hands-on in that process because you're not, I mean, the the first time you set up a YouTube campaign, Google will try to make it easy for you, right? They'll say, oh, just pick maximize conversions, go for leads, just go get them. And uh, of course, we know that you shouldn't do that. You should start out with a much more manual campaign to get data into the account. Whereas Facebook is really trying to stress just hands off, we'll figure it out. On YouTube, it's very clearly you need to start out with this very manual testing phase where you get to decide where the money goes to train the account. You're finding the same thing? 
Yeah, we're seeing the algo recently really start to work better. Um, there are periods where the algo doesn't work that well, and then there are periods where it works well. So I think it's a work in progress, and it's slowly improving over time. Uh, but I, I do agree with that, where you do need to put a ton of hours into it. Like our media bars spend a ridiculous amount of time on optimization. Like I look at their hub staffs, and I'm like, holy crap, did you really spend that much time on that account <laughs> this week? Like. Wow, that's that's a lot of time, um, which is also why we charge our clients expensive rates. Because, like, you know, if we didn't, we, there's no way we would be able to justify uh, justify keeping, you know, like uh, the comps running. So, it's uh, it's definitely requires a ton of work. Yeah, it's a ton of work. I mean, because you're looking at individual keywords, how they're performing, and then you're looking at demographics, devices, and how those are working with the keywords. And then you're looking at, you know, hundreds and thousands of placements and how are each of those working. And then once you turn one off, then budget starts getting fed to the next one. And then you see how that's working. <laughs> it just turns into a thing. But but eventually it gets a little bit easier, right? When you can switch to CPA. And, and, and so uh, how long do you wait? I think that there's like a little bit of, I don't want to say controversy, but I think everybody has a different opinion on this. How long do you wait uh, with a new account, we're going to say a new account to switch over to uh, to CPA. And basically, just for listeners, when you're switching over to, it, we're talking about bidding strategy right now. So if you're bidding on cost per view, you know, you might be bidding say seven cents per view at the beginning, and you start optimizing from there and seeing what your CPVs come as. Then you get a certain number of conversions, um, and you feel that the Google, you know the the account has enough data to switch over to start leveraging the machine learning so when do you switch over to leveraging the machine learning yeah so this can be a loaded question because like it changes all the time um yeah but i've always told my media bars is to start experimenting with cpa campaigns once you have 50 conversions so you know 50 leads in the account and usually that's when there's some data uh sometimes it takes longer sometimes you know it can Basically, at that point, it starts working. Uh, and obviously, you know, usually we try to get to those 50 leads ASAP within a week to week and a half. And then from there, it's just kind of a point, uh, you know, thing of like, okay, let's launch some CPA campaigns. Did they work? Uh, if they didn't, like keep trying other things and keep pushing more uh, CPA, uh, CPV campaigns and then try again later and then try again later. And then, you know, you eventually hit it. Um, and then once they do start performing, it's a great thing. Uh, but again, you have to be just uh, vigilant because sometimes the CPV campaigns will even outperform the CPA campaigns for whatever reason. Uh, so basically, the thing is like kind of the philosophy I have is, or kind of the philosophy we have internally is uh, with CPV campaigns, you usually have to do a lot more optimization just because you know there's no algorithm working to figure it out. Uh, with CPA campaigns, if they're working well and better than uh the CPV campaigns, then usually we uh, don't optimize as much because Google's kind of like figured it out. Um, and then if you just like start narrowing it down too much, it messes with uh, the way things work and doesn't get you enough volume. So how about as far as info products go for going back to this 997 offer, this theoretical offer that we have? I mean, what does the funnel usually look like? I mean, are, are you are you teasing somebody to something? One of the things that I've found on YouTube is that very often sending someone to a product page is is too ambitious sometimes and maybe you need to get them into something else first maybe some sort of freebie or or whatever it is or or, or maybe you're having a lot of luck sending people right to project to, to product pages like how do you how do you deal with that because obviously that's what you're calling out in your creative yeah so we we do a lot of uh, either sending them to lead magnets or webinars um 
both can work really well. And the thing with webinars is everybody's doing them, so you better be on point with webinars because I feel like two years ago, you could anybody could run a webinar and it would work well. Now you actually need a great product and you need to be really on point with your landing pages, your funnel, your email follow-ups. Like you need to be optimized uh, just because of the fact that the, you know, the traffic has gotten more expensive um, just because of more competition. So um, webinar funnel, lead magnets, and so on. But whatever it is, um, you just want to make sure you really try to optimize the funnel. Um, so if you were doing this in-house, right, like if you're doing this all by yourself, I would probably say like optimizing your funnel should take like more, much more time than optimizing your ads, right? Like obviously you do both as much as you can, uh, but I think the funnel is going to play a much bigger role because with the ad side, it's usually a lot less ambiguous, right? Like you, you could easily follow the advice of uh, Matt or I, and just basically have kind of follow like a templated structure for it and get good results while with the funnel, um, because you're selling your own offer and your own product, you kind of have to really tweak things and get into your customer psychology. And that requires a ton of mental brain power and a ton of work to just basically make sure your uh, funnel like actually speaks to those people and gets them to, uh, you know, basically purchase whatever you're selling. And yeah, with, uh, with that, like, um, we're just, uh, I mean, the thing is, webinars are working really well for us. You can even send them to VSL pages, which have like, uh, you know, they kind of lead magnets, but they have a VSL instead of a webinar. Uh, so like a video case study or something like that. But basically, you do you do want to build up kind of, you know, you want to offer them something before you send them to the sales page because they don't know you. Right. And, and I feel like that has something very specific to say about who the audience is on YouTube, right? Do you feel that way too? I, I feel like people come to YouTube with a very specific thing that they're doing in mind and they see your ad. And I feel like it almost, it just, it just feels more natural for them to go to another sort of learning activity. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 100%. People on YouTube to learn a lot of times if you're targeting the right audiences. Um, so if they're there to learn, you know, you want to kind of keep that train going and then then you want to sell them, you know, at a later point. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really interesting because a lot of people do try to go right to product pages, um, and, and and so 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 with e-commerce, I mean, what do you end up doing there when it's like strict e-commerce? I'm not sure how much of this you've run in in direct product selling e-commerce, but let's say you've got a you know five hundred dollar product, um, are you you're still trying to work some sort of lead gen funnel at the beginning? So we haven't really done any $500 e-com products. We've done a little bit of e-com. Uh, to be yeah. fair, I, I don't think uh, we're like the uh, top guys when it comes to e-commerce. Uh, I think like guys like John Belcher have a lot more experience with that. But what I would do for mm-hmm. e-com, if, uh, if I would do more e-com, is basically... Um, Basically, with, depending on the price point, um, that would change things a lot. So if it's like, a, you know, like a $79 price point product, I would definitely aim to get most of the selling done in the video ad before sending them over. And then whatever the landing page is, it should have a lot of information and education about the product. And then basically the whole game would be to try getting the algo to start working for you. And you may want to try pre, pre-sale pages. I believe those have been doing quite well where you kind of warm them up, but you definitely want to warm them up. It doesn't have, if it's like a product page with nothing on it, except the picture of the product and some reviews, it's going to definitely not do well. But if it's actually like a, you know, kind of something that offers value and has a lot of information, I, I could see that doing better. But I, I would love to hear your thoughts on it since it sounds like you do that more. You, uh, yeah, well, we, actually, we do webinar funnels more, and they do great. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, so, yeah. we, we, 
Yeah, we 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 do a lot of webinar funnels because people come to YouTube because they want to learn stuff and it's just so it's so perfect, right? I mean, that's why YouTube ads are so perfect in that situation because, you know, you're you're basically you're basically uh, you're 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 targeting somebody who clicks on a YouTube video because they want to learn how to do X and then you show up in your video saying, "Hey, I'm a super, super expert on X, and I'm going to give you this free training on how to do it. So you should watch my free training instead of like Joe Schmo from like someplace in California on this, his little YouTube video. Why don't you watch my expert free training? It just like matches their intent so perfectly in that moment. That's why I love webinars. But I think e-commerce, it's just more, it's a more difficult problem but at the same time, it's still like a really big opportunity because the intent is still there. It's still a better audience than you're going to find on Facebook usually. So the question is, how do you sell them that product? In a specific, you, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a very interesting problem to solve. Yeah, exactly. 100, uh, 100% right. And yeah, I mean, the thing is like, I mean, people are making e-com on YouTube work really well. Um, there are a lot of people running it. Um, but I think the biggest thing that's the obstacle for most e-com brands is the creative is uh, is is trickier because if you look like at Dollar Shave Club or Dollar Beard Club, one of those um, Poopori, um, there was a bunch of other ones by Harmon Brothers where they basically used video to yeah. you know, sell sell these e-com products. Uh, that's what it was, and they just killed it. And then you'll have other people try to run e-commerce on YouTube, but with the worst creatives possible, and they just make you want to throw up. And it's just like, yeah, like if you're doing e-com, you have to, in those three to four minutes, you have to basically do, get that value across in a entertaining way that so that people watch it. Um, it. It's not an easy kind of thing, but if you have a really cool product, I mean, obviously there's value in it. Once people see it and they're convinced by it, they will buy it. Like, um, you know, so that's a, that's a really big part of it. And I guess the mindset as well, right? Like if you're trying to get the instant sale, yeah, it won't work. But I, I think Brian Garvin, he's a great guy for uh, e-com YouTube ads. Um, he actually mentioned this about Purple, which was a mattress company that he ran the ads for, for you know long time. He spent like 100 million on it. He basically said that um, the YouTube would drive traffic and then search and dis display ads would kind of clean up after it, right? So it would be top of level, a top of funnel, um, where and then like basically, obviously, you'd get the people with higher intent uh, buying through Google search uh, or search ads or through Google Display. Um, but you're kind of building up that relationship, so then you can retarget them with these other traffic platforms, and obviously retarget them on YouTube as well. But um, with a high ticket ecom product, obviously, you're not gonna most of the time you're not going to convert them on the first time they watch a video. It's just, it's just the start of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen some success. We, we do have a $400 product currently we're selling on YouTube and we've seen, we we're, we're doing a good ROAS with it by retargeting on YouTube uh, or sorry, uh, by, by retargeting on Facebook. So we're sort of, we're, we're, we're getting them much cheaper into the funnel on YouTube and then doing cheap retargeting on Facebook on the back end for, pennies comparatively and uh it's actually it's actually working out relatively well but you know i think i think it's a very good point um hey this has been great man just just one more because i always like to make it super practical what are like if you're just getting into youtube ads 
starting out, you know, you've got, you've got about basic knowledge, but you're trying to launch. What are like the two or three like biggest mistakes that everybody seems to make in your experience that you've seen? Ah, good one. Um, one mistake is they don't check their, where their videos are showing up in the placement section. Uh, you want to make sure your all your budget isn't being spent on, you know, those videos that ki- uh, parents put their kids in front of. Um, and then just leave them there to watch it. Like I, I, I literally have seen, yes, seen I've that, seen that before. Times. Every time I audit a client's account, they're like, "Oh, we just can't figure out YouTube. I don't know what it is. Is this platform right for us?" I'm like, I look inside. It's like 90 percent kids' videos. I'm like, "All right, there's your problem right there." <laughs> it's like the five I love that. And just, and just yeah, yeah, and 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 and, and just so everybody knows. Uh, you you the 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 way to see where your ads are showing up is you go to placements and and you could get sort of sucked into here just looking at the placements that you have but you want to go up and there's a tab that says where your ads appeared i think or, or where your ads showed something like that and you click that and it'll show where your ads are showing up and again like since since the since youtube isn't like in its computer learning phase yet usually when you're starting out a campaign who knows i mean i have run campaigns where I mean, all of a sudden I was like, oh, this isn't working. This isn't working when I was first starting out. And I would look inside and it's like Justin Bieber and PewDiePie. And I'm like, what are you doing, YouTube? Like, what am I doing in front of these videos? (laughs) No wonder my click-through rate was low. I'm not relevant to these people at all. (laughs) And uh, I I think the same thing happened. I did like a live audit in my group the other day with, with someone and I was doing the same thing. He was like, oh, I'm not seeing amazing results. And I looked and again, he had display network turned on and it was just showing in front of like the most random videos ever like the most irrelevant stuff. So definitely keep an eye on that because for some reason, YouTube just doesn't have a super tight control on that. So you just really have to be proactive about it, right? Yeah, I mean, Google wants you to spend your money. <laughs> right, right, and they they're just not, will. Right, they're right, not right. too concerned about saving money in many cases. Um, but, you know, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, another tip I would yeah. have is... Um, Basically, make sure your tracking is set up properly. Uh, this is like the number one thing. Take the time to learn how to set up your Google Ads tracking. Take the time to kind of, you know, even duplicate a funnel just for YouTube so you have better data because Google Ads can be, a little, you know, under-report quite a bit. So you want to have more accurate data. And number three is the creative. Uh, make sure you uh, hit the, you know, the native format, right? Like make sure the video is widescreen. Make sure the video is shot fairly well. Um, if it looks like it was shot on a potato phone then that's not a good thing like people are watching high quality video on youtube a lot of times people are you know unless they're listening to music most of the time when they're watching something the video shot well and it's usually not shot on uh on a 10 year old phone right like it's usually has good audio usually has good video and if you think about it youtube video bloggers they make a living from making their videos as uh, as close to visual crack as humanly possible. So just keep that in mind when you're creating a video ad. You're you're not on a news feed on Facebook where it's like, yeah, my look at my kids' photos. You're not competing with that. You're competing with like people whose whole job it is to kind of make sure they can grab your attention on YouTube. That that's great advice. That's great advice. Match the platform. That yeah, that's 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 awesome. Shash, thank you so much. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people are going to get massive, massive value about this. Uh, so much, so much here. We I think we could have gone on for hours talking about all of these things. It's fun. I love it. I love nerding out on YouTube ads. Uh, can, can you just tell us again where uh, where to go to learn more about your course and your agency? 
Yeah, so my agency's website is linksdigitalagency.com, L-I-N-X, and then digitalagency.com. Pretty simple from there. And the course um, is on that website. You can find it as well. Uh, it's actually, um, we just released module one, which is the first part, and it goes into all the fundamentals you need to know. And we're going to release module two and three very shortly. And those modules, actually, the price will go up. So right now we're selling it at a very discounted price just to get feedback and get people telling us what they like, don't like about the course. Yeah, folks, get get into this course. Shosh is obviously a genius at this. And, and, and if you want to learn about this stuff, you want to learn about it from from people that have spent this much money on YouTube testing and optimizing all of these things. But if you know what you're doing, it is an incredible platform, YouTube. And uh, this is is one of the guys to to listen to about it. Thank you so much again, Shosh, for being here. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Super excited about this one. It's a great one. I hope you had value. Please, please subscribe, share with your friends, leave us a review uh, if you got value out of this as well. And have an amazing day.